welcome to the Songs for the Struggling Artist blog cast, episode 42. 42. Very good number. The meaning of life and the 42nd blog cast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, today I am reading for you a blog that I, I, I'm still not, I can't find the right title title for. I have like, I've had like four different titles for it. If you look at it online, like if you cl click on the, on the actual, just the blog by itself, like not the whole thing, you'll see that the title is different than the title it has on the blog. And I'm still not satisfied. I feel like there's a th third one to have but I don't know what it is yet so if you have a better title for this please let me know um, it is called art is vital currently it is currently called art is vital on the the previous title was art and how we got here I think there's a third title somewhere though so contest rename this blog <laughs> uh, anyway I uh, uh, yeah I'm so I'm just gonna read it to you it, it is it is uh, titled many ways. <laughs> and here it is, Art is Vital. I keep thinking about selling out. I don't mean I'm considering selling out myself. I'm considering the cultural shift that has changed the meaning of selling out. I learned on a podcast, the You Are Not So Smart podcast, that the generations after mine don't know what selling out is. They think it's a good thing, like when your show sells out. For my generation and the ones before, selling out was a danger, a bad thing. Selling out meant losing your credibility. It meant trading in your artistic credibility for commercial success. Today, there is no sense of lost credibility in achieving commercial success. On one hand, this is a positive move, a world that is perhaps more unified. Artistic values are perhaps permeating the dominant culture. On the other hand, it has created an intertwining of art and commerce in a way that creates a world of problems, including the current political landscape. When there is no difference between art and commerce, art's value becomes its commercial potential. A painting becomes only as valuable as its price tag or its marketing reach. The painting loses its intrinsic value as a work of art. And perhaps the loss of one painting or one piece of music as being of intrinsic value isn't the end of the world. But I think losing the entire concept of the intrinsic value of art is. I can draw a direct line from the devaluing of artistic values to the election results of 2016. We decided that the only good art was successful art, was popular art, was art that sells. And this then leads to a value system that privileges power, popularity, and money. By continually lionizing the billionaires, the money makers, the hit TV shows, the popular art, we chose a culture that values money above all else. Lil Donnie T is the direct result of overvaluing commercial interests. 
when we stopped seeing art as valuable in and of itself, when we started trying to defend it as a viable economic growth builder, when we began to pitch it as an agent of social change rather than as a thing that is good for our souls, we lost. We lost a long time ago. I've watched this happen in arts education. When I first started working in schools, it was enough to just do art with kids. Then we expected the arts to teach them something else, more academic subjects or teamwork or conflict resolution. Then we needed the art to solve the problems in the classroom or the school system. And when it couldn't do that impossible thing, it was pushed aside for things that could. Now, I'm not saying it's not super cool to teach math through theater or conflict resolution through music or life skills. It is. But what's happened is a trend toward teaching these things instead of theater itself. I remember being in a meeting of artists, educators, and principals years ago, and a principal stood up and declared his support for art, for art's sake. He asserted that he was dedicated to art itself, no qualifiers. I cried and applauded because I could feel how much of a stand he felt he needed to take to say that. That is, the world around him was so insistent on dismissing art for art's sake that he had to push hard to make room for that idea. In some education circles, art for art's sake has become kind of a joke, as in not enough, as in naive, as in old-fashioned. And so art ends up in service of other more commercial or socially relevant things. We let this happen. On an individual level, I have seen incredible artists devalue their own work due to its lack of commercial success. They think that their painting, art, or music, or show, or sculpture, or poem isn't worth anything because they couldn't sell it. It's not worth anything because it isn't worth anything. But some of our greatest artists were never commercially successful. Van Gogh sold a handful of paintings in his lifetime, but later most of us understand that his work was incredibly valuable artistically. Mm -hmm. And then his work became valuable commercially as well. The commercial perspective will say that he became successful after his death because he became popular and his paintings sell for tons of money. But even if they never sold, and very few people knew his work, the art itself is intrinsically of value. We all got mixed up on this point at some point. This relates to a trope that I keep seeing pop up, that artists should stay out of politics. I find it fascinating that anyone could think that could be possible, but it speaks to a perception of art. It suggests art is seen as decoration instead of meaningful discourse. This movement to cut the arts is sometimes an impulse to trim the fat and get rid of the inessentials to cut the frills. Art is the frills for some people. It's seen as a luxury item that conservative folk don't want to pay for. Yeah, I get it. I've played into it myself. At a grant interview, I was seated next to an applicant who wanted to increase access to drinking water in Zimbabwe. I felt like, how can I make a pitch for artistic exploration when there are people without drinking water? There is also a line of thinking that suggests that cutting the arts are a targeted way to control discourse. That the authoritarians—that's a hard word to say—that the authoritarians know that stifling the arts is a way to control freedom. 
I'm not sure our authoritarians are all that smart yet. But whatever the reason for cutting the arts, my response comes down to that idea attributed to Winston Churchill, who was said to have said, then what are we fighting for? In my own life, it is fucking essential to have music and theater and dance and art right now. It was nice before, but it is essential now. It occurs to me that a sign of our previous freedom was the freedom to think of art as a frill, to think it might not be necessary. We could think that because we could afford to. We can't afford to anymore, for now. Art is vital right now, for me, for everyone I know. My mother, for example, is at a protest or public meeting or advocacy event nearly every single day. And at night, she is uplifted and energized by concerts, by movies, by art, by books. Personally, I have been more moved than I have ever been when sitting in theaters, listening to music, singing, watching, listening. We're learning something that people in oppressed conditions have always known. That art is a need. That art is what we're fighting for. And perhaps for the people who are not terrified right now, for the people who celebrate the oppression of immigrants and Muslims and women and give no shits about black lives, maybe for them, art isn't essential. Maybe they're so happy celebrating their victories, shooting deer or rabbits or ducks or whatever that they feel like they can do without all that art stuff. I doubt it, though. I think if more folks had more ac access to art in the first place, maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. If there was music to go see in the coal towns of West Virginia, if the if ballet came through the Alabama rural landscape, if former steel towns rusted out due to their employers moving the company abroad, if they could get some relief at the Rust Belt Art Museum, I don't know, maybe I'm naive, but if they could see that stuff, I'd hope that it might make a difference. Art won't feed a hungry child or solve endemic problems. I know that. I'm pretty clear art can't save us by itself, but it can help. It can make a difference. It can give hope. We let art slip into a commercial way of thinking, and if there's any upside to the current political nightmare, it's that other kinds of values are rising up, making themselves obvious. I'm not saying commercial art isn't art. Just because something is popular doesn't make it bad. But popularity doesn't make it good, either. Prince sold a lot of albums. But he'd be just as good if only a handful of friends saw him in a basement. His artistry is not his commercial success. Commercial success isn't the only way to succeed. There is value in singing to yourself. In the dark times, there will always be singing and it doesn't have to be for sale. There's the blog with the name that you are going to come up with. Or, or you can also let me know that you like one or the other titles that I've come up with this thing, for this thing so far. Um, yeah, so uh, I feel like I, I may revisit it. There's, there's, there's more kind of ticking below the surface that might bubble up at some point. So the song that I am going to put here at the end of the blog is, um, it's an Elvis Costello song. It's called Two Little Hitlers. And this song makes me laugh in so many ways. First of all, I've loved it and always have loved it. Um, but I picture 
two little Hitlers, like as like two tiny like little t toy wind-up toys, just kind of like battling it out, which always makes me laugh. And it helps with that sort of diminishing horrible things, right? To like imagine a horrible thing as tiny and silly um, can help get through some crappy times. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so I picture that. And then I also, it just, I mean, you know, it, it's very much about the current moment. I feel like, I feel like just watching the, the government go, it is like watching two little Hitlers or 25 little Hitlers, just like little wind up Hitlers going like, <laughs> just like beating each other up. And unfortunately it's not just themselves they're beating up. Anyway, I learned this song for you for the podcast. So here, here is uh, two little Hitlers, and uh, enjoy. Why are we racing to be so old? I'm up late pacing the floor. I won't be told. You have your reservations. I'm bought and sold. I'll face the music. I Walking polka dots and checker slacks, bowing and squawking, running after tidbits, bobbing and squinting, just like a nitwit. Two little Hitlers will fight it out until one little Hitler does the other one's will. I will return. I Basement. I need my head examined. I need my eyes excited. I'd like to join the party, but I was not invited. You make a member of me. I'll be delighted. I wouldn't cry for lost souls. You might drown. Dirty words for dirty minds written in this toilet town. Dial me a valentine. She's a smooth operator. It's also calculating. She's like a calculator. She's my self-touched typewriter. I'm the great dictator. Two little Hitlers will fight it out until one little Hitler does the other one's will. I will return. I will not burn. A simple game of self-respect. You kick the switch and the world goes off Nobody jumps as you expect I would have thought you would have had enough by now You call selective dating for some effective mating I thought I'd let you down, dear, but you were just deflating I knew right from the start we'd end up hating Merchandise plastered on the wall We can look so long as we don't have to talk at all You say you'll never know him He's an unnatural man He doesn't want your pleasure He wants as no one can He wants to know the names of all those he's better than Two little Hitlers will fight it out until one little Hitler does the other ones, will I will.